Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. And thank you, Andrew and team. Well, good morning. Turkey still is having its effect, huh? Good morning. It's great that we can come and worship our great Lord. Um, a couple things. First, I want to let you know we're pausing our series in Acts, and we'll pick that up in the new year um, to walk through a series uh, in the next, um, actually it'll be five times, um, that will count Christmas Eve. Um, but the next five messages you'll hear are centered around this theme of incarnation. Incarnation, and I've titled this series Incarnation, the Bible's Christmas Message. And so we're going to walk through that and kind of define what that is. You may say, what is that word, incarnation? We're going to look at that and uh, look and see what, what is incarnation, uh, what is its purpose, um, and why would Jesus come um, as God, or why would God uh, come as Jesus, um, and then how do we respond? And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, as we walk through this, if you, um, we're going to have a couple of different passages that we're going to look at. Our main passage will be in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter one. So if you want to turn there with me, um, you can do that. I also will have some other ones that I'm going to reference um, that will be up on the screen. Um, but you can feel free to turn to those uh, at any time. I like to hear. The, the pages of the Bible, it's good for you to work your fingers, especially if the turkey is still having its effect on you. So you got to work it out. I want to share with you, before we dig into the Word, um, some news um, that I haven't, I haven't been good at communicating with you. Um, but yesterday there was a service, um, a celebration of life service, um, for John, um, Johnny Saucier, John and Pam Saucier are missionaries that actually their ministry started out of West Hill uh, in the 90s, and uh, and that's Team Jam. Uh, uh, it's uh, Jesus Athletic Ministry, and that ministry has reached uh, hundreds of thousands of athletes and others and families. And uh, so John and Pam uh, were here in the 90s. Their family uh, started here. John and Pam, for a number of years, uh, were trying to have children and were told they weren't able to. They weren't going to have any children. And, uh, and God uh, had other plans. As soon as they had started the process of adoption, um, God uh, allowed Pam to, um, to get pregnant. And so they have um, four children. Uh, Johnny is the oldest, and then they have two girls, um, Hannah and Brianna, and then Joshua, their youngest, their son. Um, John kind of retired um, um, earlier um, this year, and they, as they moved last year, they moved down to Florida. Pam was uh, teaching. And so they kind of took a step back and uh, moved to Florida. And uh, long story short, Johnny uh, was in the military 
and uh, went to Ranger School, graduated from Ranger School. He's in top three at Ranger School, um, was recruited. Amazon recruited him um, to come down, and he was working with them, and he was also continuing to pursue some things with the Army. Um, and in October, at the end of October, um, uh, Johnny passed away. And so uh, yesterday, Lisa and I went to uh, service celebrating um, his life, 24 years old. And uh, very, very difficult. John, um, I consider John a good friend, and uh, him and Pam um, have been through a lot in their lives, and yet they continue to testify of the goodness of God. John's done a lot of uh, funerals, and uh, and he did his own father's funeral, and and yesterday he did his son's. Um, I just share some of this. Some of this is just raw emotion. Um, some of it is the reality. As I sat there, I have a son. I have three children, and the reality is that life is very fragile, and we don't have tomorrow guaranteed. I think part of this whole pandemic has shifted us into a mindset to think that we have some kind of control over life. The reality is you and I don't have any control over life. And the older that I get, the more I realize how little control I really have. Not only over me, but those around me. And I encourage you, and, and I share this, um, if, if you need help, if you're walking through a dark time, and maybe you're not walking through a dark time right now, but, but if there is ever a time in your life where it gets really dark, uh, first know that you're, you're not alone, and it's not abnormal, all right? People walk through dark times all the time, and you may say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. No. But you're not alone, and you need to know that. And you need to know that there are people who love you and who want to help you and will help will guide you through um, whatever you're walking through. And so um, I, I would like to, as we start here, just to pray for John and Pam and uh, for their three other children um, this morning and uh, encourage you to... If you know John and Pam, um, we'll have their address available if you want to write a letter or if you want to touch base through email or, or through a text or a call. I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Um, it's heartbreaking. It puts the reality of death before us. And it helps put in perspective what really matters. But it also challenges our faith. And I thought John did an excellent job of sharing in probably his darkest and hardest time. He said, there are many people who are encouraging him to walk away. Why would God do such a thing like that? And yet, where is he going to turn, he said. Who do I have to lean upon if I don't lean on God? And so our Lord is faithful, and it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to have to believe that and to know that that is all you have. And so as we sing, Waymaker, 
miracle worker. The truth is God sometimes doesn't work in the ways that we want him to work. I've always said this as uh, stewardship in our stewardship series is, uh, and especially dealing with our children. Uh, the fact is they're not really ours. They're God's. He's given them to us to steward, to raise, but they are his. And so let me encourage you as parents, continue to teach your children the way of the Lord, the scriptures, the truth of God. And may we continue to do that and have an impact on young lives and old lives um, with the gospel message. So will you pray with me as we bow? And if you would, just take a moment. Would you pray for John and Pam and for the loss that they're feeling right now? Lord, we come to you because we believe that you are real. We also believe that you hear us and that you answer us. So Lord, this morning we come on behalf of our brother and sister, John and Pam, on behalf of Hannah and Bree and Josh, and we ask that you would wrap your loving arms around them. Lord, as a dad, as a husband, as one who strives to do what you want, Lord, and sometimes not understanding why you do certain things or why you allow certain things, my perspective is limited. And I continue to learn, Lord, that you have purposes and plans that we cannot see. You tell us, Lord, that in order to please you, we must live by faith. And yet so often, Lord, we can become wrapped up on living our lives by sight or by feelings or when it's convenient. Lord John and Pam need your presence this day. The evil one is firing flaming missiles at their family. And we pray that you would protect them. That you would minister to them through your spirit. And that you will continue to place people around them. That will love them and care for them. And help them to see more of your love. So that their faith may continue to increase. Lord this is a somber moment. A moment for us to be able to pause and reflect. 
to realize that we are not in control of all things, but that we can continue to look to the one who is. That we may continue to trust even when we can't see. Even when we don't feel it. You are worthy of our faith and our trust. I pray for us as a congregation, as a body of believers, Lord, that your spirit would continue to draw us closer in our faith walk with you. You know what that looks like, and you know exactly what we need. Forgive us when we think that we know what is best. Forgive us for choosing to be convenient and wanting protection above proclaiming your name. Forgive us for seeking ourselves. Lord, we heard for John and Pam today, and we just pray that you'd minister to them and love them. Help them as they continue to share the gospel, as the gospel was shared yesterday very clearly, the hope of Jesus. I pray that those who heard that message will accept that and believe that and live that. Thank you, Lord, for this moment that helps put in perspective what life is all about. Use us in this brief time that we have here on this earth for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would use your word that it may teach us and show us the truth of who you are. And Lord, that the knowledge that we gain today will help us to live our lives in a more faithful way. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, the King. Amen. So, incarnation, the Bible's Christmas message. So Isaiah 9, 6, Andrew read that for us. Um, the beginning part of that uh, shares that there is a son given. It's interesting as we look and think about um, Isaiah's words as he wrote them. I think he chose his words very carefully. And so in penning this and writing this down, um, he wrote that a son is given. Son is given. Um, over in Galatians 4, 4, it says that God sent forth his son. And so when we look at this uh, term incarnation, um, it comes from a Latin word meaning embodiment or become flesh. It's the act of being made flesh. So... Um, so it is God in flesh. And we're going to talk about why this is important in the next few weeks. Um, my goal this morning is just to lay a foundation of where we can go, um, but to mainly try to lay for us the reality of, of Jesus uh, and him being um, 
the incarnate one. And so we see this word incarnation, meaning in flesh, God in flesh, and we can often uh, overlook that, and we kind of miss that. In John 1, verse 14, um, a, a verse that we use often for Christmas, and I believe we used it last year as our Christmas um, theme verse, and it says the word became flesh. Jesus is the word. All right, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so when we look at this, we see all throughout scripture, this idea of God sending his son, Jesus coming as a man in flesh. Well, why is that important? We're going to talk about that and the criticalness of why is it important that Jesus be flesh, be man? I want to cover a couple terms here um, that may fly over your head. Um, but again, I think it's important as we walk through this, you may have heard some of these terms so that you know and understand what we're talking about. Uh, we talked about uh, the incarnation in flesh uh, and the, the defining of that. There's also another term that is different from the incarnation and what we're looking at, and that's called the hypostatic union. You say, what are we doing here, Pastor Aaron? Just talk simply. Today's a little bit more deep, and, and I really believe that in order to live truth, you've got to know truth, okay? So let me let, let us help get a little knowledge here and, and understand what this is. The hypostatic union is this. It's the person plus a union. So it is uh, the combining of the divine nature with the human nature, the hypostatic union. So it's unionizing um, God, the fullness of God, and the fullness of man, and they are combined into one single person. Jesus was not two different persons. He is one person. There is another term, and I'm just going to spell it for you. It's H-O-M-O-O-U-S-I-O-S. Homoousis. And it is this. It is the divine um, substance that Jesus is the substance of the Father. And why is that important? Well, that's important because we see in John 10... Verse 30, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And then we also see in Colossians 2.9, where it, um, Paul is writing and he says, uh, In Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And so this is critical, and it became very critical even in the early church because how we view Jesus is critical to his saving power and what he is able to accomplish. And so when the, um, the council met in 325 AD, we, we have today this creed, the Nicene Creed. And part of that Nicene Creed addresses what we're talking about here this morning. And it says this, the Son of God, only begotten of the Father, that is, of the substance of the Father, God from God, light from light, 
True God from true God. Begotten, not made. One in substance, and that's that term, homeosis, with the Father. One in substance with the Father. And so why is this critical and why is this important? Well, we need to know and, and understand that the, that the Son, Jesus, didn't all of a sudden become. He wasn't started. When Jesus was born, he didn't just appear and all of a sudden began. Jesus was sent from the Father. He was sent because he had been there for all of eternity. Jesus is the substance of God. And that's going to become more critical as we walk through these next few weeks of why is that so important. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says it this way. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. We are not able to become sons of God without God coming to us. That is the great difference of, of Christianity amongst the many different religions of the world. The fact that God would come to us versus us having to do or to achieve something to get to God. God came to you and I. Let's look at this passage now in Colossians, if you would with me. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. Paul writes this, he, and he's talking about Jesus, the son, because in verse 13, he says, he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Verse 15, he says, he, Jesus, the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the image of a God that we cannot see. The firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, not meaning that he is born of creation. He is the one who has created all things. Verse 16, for by him, again, this is Jesus, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. For he is before all things. This is Jesus. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
when we read this, I have a little note in my Bible that uh, says this. It says, Jesus is more than enough. And when we look at the incarnation of Jesus, what we see is this is the biblical message of what Christmas is all about. It is God coming to us. God sending his son, Jesus. But in sending his son, Jesus wasn't one that all of a sudden began like you and I, when the sperm and the egg come together where it's fertilized and there is then an embryo where now there is human life. No, Jesus existed for all of eternity before. He is the one who through him all creation was made. And so this thing that just baffles our mind when we look at scripture to think that Jesus would leave where he was and to come and humble himself. We'll look at this passage another week in Philippians chapter 2 where he emptied, he humbled himself to become a man. God becoming man. The incarnation. Taking flesh like you and I. How could he do such a thing? Well, that is the work of the Spirit, where we see the Spirit of God indwelling Mary, where it was not man who brought their reproductive organs together. This was God, the Holy Spirit, who indwelt Mary, and she conceived so this man was not like any other man. He was fully man, but he was God. Perfect. Some reading, if you want to read in the weeks ahead, you can begin to read the beginning of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 1. And begin to see how God was working and Jesus coming was not all of a sudden Jesus shows up on the scene where he's something new, like a newborn baby. But as you read the text, read it in such a way where you see the hand of God and the miraculous work and his compassion that he has for mankind. That in the fullness of time, at the right time, God would send his son to this earth to take on flesh, like you and me. You know, flesh, we have our limitations, don't we? We'll talk in the weeks ahead of what that looks like for Jesus, but Jesus emptied himself of some of the things that God is not limited to. But Jesus became flesh. To take on some of those limits. Ultimately. So that. He would die in our place. I don't want to get the cart before the horse. So we'll get to that in the future. But I encourage you as we look at. This text today. That you would take with you. And ask yourself. Is. Is the real Jesus. Enough for you. The one who not only came to save you from your sin, to redeem us, to purchase us with his blood, but the one who 
created all things and in him holds all things together, is that one enough for you to be able to look at and to see the God of the universe and how much he loves you and cares for you and, 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 and wants to have that continual relationship with you? Is that enough for you to see that there is a loving and true God and that he is most powerful and that he alone is worthy to be trusted and adored, to be worshiped and praised? Is Jesus enough as you live your life this week? The incarnation, the coming of Jesus, the coming of God in flesh, is that enough for you? Or is there something more that you feel you need? See, the incarnation, the Bible's Christmas message, tells us in such a glorious way that God loves us. He has not abandoned us. He has provided a way for us to have a relationship with him. And he is with us continually. Not only did he send Jesus and one of the terms that we sang this morning, Emmanuel, God with us. This isn't just some good human being. This is God. God in human flesh. Do you believe that? Is that enough for you? I love that saying. That I, said, that I shared earlier by C.S. Lewis, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. It is enough that Jesus would come and that he would take our sin and the price that we owe for our sin, our disobedience to a perfect God that he would die and his blood would be spilled for you and me. It is not enough to just trust in him to forgive you of your sin. It is enough for you to trust him with your life. Not just later for eternity, but for now. And I think what strengthens our faith is when we see what God has done for us. The fact that God would come to you and me. You won't find that in any other religion. You won't find that in any other God. Because they're not the true and living God. I hope you have a relationship with him. And I hope you start, that you begin to see why this term incarnation is so critical and important. God coming to us. To you. For you. Lord, as we've looked in your word, we see that you've reached out. God, that you've come to us. Your word tells us of your intent. 
And that intent is to have a relationship with us. And for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, who are followers of Jesus, may our faith be strengthened because we see and we're reminded once again how big you are and yet how significant we must be in your eyes because you came to us that you would send your only begotten son, the one and only, that in his coming it was the fullness of you, God, and yet it was also the fullness of man. Help us to catch a glimpse of what that looks like and why that's important. Help us to continue to study and be in your word so that we can understand that we have a great God who loves us and who is with us. We have a Savior who is a great high priest who can sympathize when we are tempted because he was tempted and yet he did not sin. We have a high priest who is also holy and innocent. He's unstained and he is exalted above all the heavens. Lord, I pray that Jesus, the Jesus in our life, would be exalted in our life and that we would trust that Jesus is enough no matter what comes along our way this week. But the same Jesus who created and sustains all of the world is the same Jesus that we can trust with every decision that we make. So help us to look to you. Help us to rely upon you, not ourselves. Thank you for these dear people who have joined in this place and who are joining online. As we look and press towards Christmas, do a new work in us, Lord. May we not be the same people as we spend more time with each other and with you. We'll give you the praise for what you're doing. We give you the praise for what you have already done. We thank you that the son was not started, but that he was sent forth because he's always been. We pray all this in his precious name. The name of Jesus. Amen.